Welcome and thanks for listening to the sermon podcast from First Presbyterian Church of Honolulu. We continue our series on the core values of First Pres. Today we focus on authenticity. Great things happen when we are real with each other and with God. Here's First Pres Assistant Pastor Steve Page with the sermon, Deep Truth. Well, I want to begin today by sharing a very embarrassing story from my youth. As a kid back in New Jersey, I grew up in the Eastern Orthodox Church. And when I was about 15 or 16 years old, my mother really wanted me to receive communion. But the only way you can do that was to first go to confession with a priest. Now, of course, I did everything I could to avoid that because, as most of you know by now, I had a pretty misspent youth. But hey, I saw all those movies where, you know, people go into the Catholic churches and they get in this booth behind a screen. And then the priest asks them, what do they want to confess? And then people get to pick and choose their confession. So I started thinking, well, you know, how bad could that be? So naively, I just assumed that the Eastern Orthodox Church did the same thing. Boy, was I wrong. In our church, after Sunday service, I was brought up to the altar because we didn't have a confessional booth at our church. And there the priest asked me to, to stand by this table when there was an icon of Jesus on it. And he asked me to bend my body towards that icon to express a disposition of humility before the Lord. Then the priest draped this black cloth over my head and shoulders. And as he stood next to me, he held a crucifix over my head. And then he began to whisper questions to me. And it wasn't anything like, how long has it been since your last confession? These were straight up questions about my sins. So for example, he kind of started out by asking some basic sins like, do you lie? Do you use foul language? Have you ever stolen anything? And I'm thinking underneath that cloth, wow, look out the window, pal, it's Jersey. What do you think? Well, after hesitating a bit, I kind of fumbled out, well, yeah, I've done all that. Now, I don't know it was because he felt like, uh-oh, we might have a serious sinner here. But like right after that, he launches into some really tough questions about my life. He starts asking this 15-year-old kid, are you promiscuous? Do you get drunk? Do you do drugs? And that's when I started thinking, hey, yo, when did confession become interrogation? What are we like in Guantanamo Bay or something? What's going on here? So given the whole circumstance, I did what I normally do in situations like that. I lied through my teeth. Yes, I lied bending over a picture of Jesus with a crucifix over my head to the priest of the church. You know, if I didn't think I was going to hell before that confession, I definitely knew I was headed there afterwards. I mean, let's face it, that was terrible. But part of my point in telling this embarrassing story is to show how hard it is to live and speak the truth of our lives, even to people and in circumstances where the truth is meant to help our souls to move closer to God. Can anyone relate to what I'm saying? So my question for us is, what makes it so hard for us, for you, to be real, even when it would benefit us? Today we continue in our series of our core values of our church, and there are five of them, and they spell out the acronym PADS. They stand for presence of God, authenticity, thoughtfulness, humility, and service. Now we're talking about our core values because these are the traits and qualities that are fundamental to the way we live and operate as a community. And they make up the path that will lead us closer to Jesus and help us live life to the full as he intended. So today I want to go a little deeper into the value of authenticity. 
As Pastor Dan shared the other week, authenticity is a state or quality of being genuine, real, and true. It's speaking and living the truth with God, with others, and with ourselves. Now, you've probably noticed that in our day, the notion of being authentic has really caught fire. If you just Google something like authenticity quotes, you get stuff like this. You get a lot of Shakespeare's line, to thine own self be true. Or sometimes you read, we are constantly invited to be who we are. Or be yourself, everyone else is taken. Or even the somewhat arrogant, confidence is knowing who you are and not changing it a bit. I'm not so sure about that last one. Well, this is all great stuff for bumper stickers and screensavers, and maybe it'll sell a million self-help books. Unfortunately, the wit and pithiness of those quotes omits a pretty important feature of being human. What if our own self, as Shakespeare put it, is a train wreck? What if your real self is argumentative, opinionated, deeply conflict avoidant, or maybe paralyzingly insecure? What if your way of being in the world is born out of unresolved issues, or the need for other people's admiration and approval, or the greed for wealth, etc.? Is it authentic for us to remain true to these deeply ingrained parts of us? I'm not sure there's anything noble in being an authentic train wreck, if you know what I mean. And if you study even a modicum of psychology, you quickly discover every person is broken and hurting in some way. And that brokenness and pain can really distort things in our head. And this is why one pastor speaks about how we all, including me, have a shadow to our lives. He put it like this, your shadow is the accumulation of untamed emotions, less than pure motives and thoughts that, while largely unconscious, strongly influence and shape your behaviors. It is the damaged but mostly hidden version of who you are. See, this reality is why authenticity is not simply being yourself, but growing into your true self in Christ. And those two words are crucial. This way of thinking about our true self is made clear in many passages of Scripture. Let me just mention a few here today. For example, look at Colossians 2, start in, in chapter 2, starting in verse 6. What does Paul say here? He says this, As you received Christ Jesus the Lord, so continue to be yourself. No, that's not what he says. He says, Continue to live your lives in Him, rooted deeply and built up in Him, and established in the faith, just as you were taught, abounding in thanksgiving. Don't let anyone capture you with empty deceit and philosophies that come from human thinking and from spiritual powers of this world, rather than from Christ. For in Christ lives all the fullness of God in, in a human body, and you have come to fullness in life in Christ who is the head over every power and authority. You know, in verse 10, that word fullness has the idea of being made complete. It pertains to coming to the ultimate destination of something. Here it means coming to the ultimate destination of what it means to be fully human. Again, as Paul makes abundantly clear, that destination is found being in Christ. Do you have the sense of your life today being complete being fulfilled in Christ? Or do you keep chasing ever-moving finish lines? Do you keep trying to find it in wealth or possessions or getting into a super-duper great college or in climbing the corporate ladder or trying to be forever young? Where and in what are you trying to find that complete and fulfilled life? Look, bottom line, when I'm trying to find my true self, 
I don't find it by seeking it. I find it by seeking God. Or to put it another way, my truth self arises through knowing Christ and knowing myself in light of Christ. That is, knowing myself in light of his perspective, his value, his purposes, and his heart for me. Because when we don't know ourselves in light of Jesus' view and value of us, well, we're left seeing or valuing ourselves by how others see us or by how we see ourselves. And we begin to construct a sense of self on, on shifting sands, you know, like our beauty or intelligence or performance or likableness or whatever. And although things like beauty and intelligence and what have you are wonderful qualities to a person, they were never meant to be the foundation from which we build a self. They were not meant to be the steel framework that, we, that holds up our lives. Because when they are, we can head into all kinds of hurtful directions. We can begin to create what I call a false self. Now, what do I mean by a false self? And this is a little bit reductionist, but hang in there. The false self is simply what we are without God. That is, without his purposes, power, values, and character, shaping and permeating our lives. Look how Paul uh, puts this in Ephesians 4, starting in verse 21. Since you have heard about Jesus and have learned the truth that comes from him, throw off your old self and your former way of life, which is corrupted by lust and deception. Instead, let the Spirit renew your thoughts and attitudes. Put on your new self, created to be like God, truly righteous and holy. See, the old self is that false self I'm talking about, the self that, that works against our created purpose of living into the image of God. And that new self is your true self in Christ, rooted in, built upon, forged by his purposes and power, values, and character. You know, very often for many of us, if not all of us, the self that got forged along the years was a self that was developed not only by sin, but by coping. Coping with the thousand cuts from people's insensitive and uncaring words, or from the compound interest of years of hurtful circumstances and stress. Our coping strategies are so much a part of our history that we don't even know that these things are not meant to be there. And they stay there because, well, to be quite frank, they kind of work. They've provided some sort of benefit to our lives. For example, I'm a recovering perfectionist. And psychologically speaking, perfectionism is an anxiety-based behavior. It's something we create to cope with the feelings and fears of being inadequate, a failure, and ultimately rejected. But let's face it, perfectionism can produce great work. And when I can produce great work for God, well, who can argue with that? And then on top of that rationale, perfectionism often gets rewarded by others along the way. Well, because people only see the outcomes. They don't see the inner soul living from the roots of fear or anxiety, anxiety or structuring itself to fight off the painful voices of shame and rejection. And often out of our lack of self-awareness or denial, we validate such things in our lives by renaming them, like renaming perfectionism as diligence. And quite frankly, on the surface, it looks like diligence. And maybe in some respects, it's likely mixed in there. But renaming it something positive helps me avoid the truth beneath, and it keeps the false self alive. It's just like when we validate our conflict avoidance or people pleasing by renaming it in our minds as I'm just being nice or I'm being gracious. When it's really a false way of coping 
or their lack of skill or anxieties about dealing with conflict. So in reality, perfectionism, conflict avoidance, people pleasing, whatever, is not just who I am, it's who I am without the purposes, power, values, and character of God shaping and permeating my drives, my work habits, my ways of relating to others. So, how do we get out of this false self? How do we get into the true self in Christ? Look, I'm gonna be honest, it's not easy. One writer put it like this, the false self is like the air we breathe. We become so accustomed to its presence that, that we're no longer aware of it. The only hope for unmasking the falsity which resides at the core of our being is a radical encounter with truth. Nothing other than a truth is strong enough to dispel illusion. See, this is why, crucial to living into our true self in Christ, it takes a long, loving look at the reality of our lives through prayerful self-reflection. Self-reflection is, is encouraged throughout the Bible. For example, in Psalm 119, in verse 59, it says this, I pondered the direction of my life, and I returned to follow your laws. Now, the word ponder here means to think carefully in a very detailed manner about something. It's to take account, of some, uh, take account of something in order to determine the value of it. Have you ever met folks who never seemed to take account of their life, who never pondered deeply about the person they are or the person they're becoming or the person they are to others? Have you ever been around folks who for decades never ponder how controlling they are or how driven they are, how angry they are or how detached they are as a person? You know, I'm going to tell you a story. Years ago on the mainland, I knew of a man who was a committed Christian, great guy. He was bright. He was intelligent. He could explain to you perfect theology. He, and he was so capable in a lot of different things in a lot of different ways. But for all his strong points, he struggled greatly about how to handle conflict. He would blow up. He'd quit jobs. He'd cut off relationships frequently, including those with his wife and kids. Well, in the end, his resume was a mile long because he changed jobs so often and his family finally fell apart and ended in divorce. And of course, it was always someone else's fault as to why all that happened. Look, if he knew and admitted to himself, you know, I just don't handle conflict very well. Or if he, if he knew and understood that his proclivity in conflict was to lash out and leave or that his inclination was to blame others for his own hurt feelings. He could have stayed in jobs that really blessed other people, and, we, and he definitely would not have lost his family through divorce. How many of us have lived long with the lies and pain that grew from the soil of self-ignorance? How many of us have paid a great price relationally, occupationally, financially, because we have not taken the inner journey with ourselves and let others journey there with us? Bottom line, no one gets better. No relationship, no marriage, no family, no community gets better without facing and dealing with the truth, the truth of their problems, their brokenness, and their sin, and then taking all that and placing it into the hands of a gracious and loving God. Christian writer David Benner said it well when he wrote this, reality must be embraced before it can be changed. Our knowing of ourselves will remain superficial until we are willing to accept ourselves as God accepts us, fully 
and unconditionally, just as we are. Until we are willing to accept the unpleasant truths of our existence, we rationalize and deny responsibility for our behavior. You can never become other than who you are until you are willing to embrace the reality of who you are. Then you can truly become who you're most deeply called to be. See, the point is, truth is important to face and ponder and, and, and live out not just so we don't sin, but so our lives are not wasted. So, so that we're able to live into who we are most deeply called to be. Again, being self-aware by pondering prayerfully the truth of our lives is essential to the Christian journey because if we don't, we can end up with a whole lot of self-inflicted wounds, usually caused by the sins and proclivities and habits we find hard to own. That being said, there's more to living into your true self in Christ than you pondering your own life. You see, it's really hard to see myself by myself. We are designed by God to need others to help us see the truth of our lives, both the glorious parts and the inglorious parts as well. See, without the input of other trusted people, we stay stunted, we stay immature. Look what Paul says in Ephesians 4 as he addresses this very issue of Christian growth and maturity. He says this, We must no longer be children, tossed to and fro and blown about by every wind of doctrine, by people's trickery or their craftiness or in deceitful scheming. But speaking the truth in love, we will grow up in every way into Christ who is the head. You know, that phrase, speaking the truth in love, slightly lessens the impact of the words in the original language of the New Testament. It really just says, truthing in love, we will grow up in every way into Christ. The sentence doesn't contain the word speaking. It's added here in English to smooth things out. And I point this linguistic issue out because truthing in love has the idea of maintaining truth in both speech and life with each other. In other words, we're not just saying truthful things to each other about God or theology or the Bible, though those things are important, but we're also living truthfully with each other. In other words, there's no pretense, no hiding, no avoiding the tough conversations. I know that it's sometimes hard to hear more difficult to embrace the truth others see in our lives. And it's quite hard for us to say such things to other people, isn't it? But we need to love each other enough, not simply to make each other feel good, but to see God's best arise in each other's life. Again, listen to another quote by David Benner. Love cannot ignore things that are self-destructive in the loved one. The true soul friend will not accept our self-deceptions, but will gently and firmly confront us with our soul blindness. Soul friends want each other to settle for nothing short of becoming the whole and holy person they were called to be. Now, some of you may think, uh, you know, that doesn't really apply to you because after all, you're a very self-aware person. In fact, if you do think that way, then you're in really good company because research says 95% of us think we are very self-aware. However, the reality is only 10 to 15% of us actually are. And that means on a really good day, about 80% of us are completely off the mark about our self-awareness. Look, in a nutshell, that may mean that there's some serious soul blindness going on in the vast majority of us, including me. So given these scientific realities and Benner's observation about soul blindness, 
Let me ask you this. Do you have people in your life to whom you give permission or with whom you meet with intentionally to gently and firmly confront you with your soul blindness? Do you have a person or a group who lovely, who's lovingly dedicated to see you become the whole and holy person you were called to be? You know, it, it may seem nice to not say or address the issues of our soul blindness, but is it really loving to do that? For example, say I'm with a brother in Christ who's married and he's kind of getting lost in his attraction to a coworker and he's starting to cross a line here. Should I just pretend I don't see it? Should I just leave it be, be, leave it be because after all, it's not my kuleana or, or should I leave it be because it's just plain awkward to say anything? Is that the kind of Christian community God calls us to forge together? My silence will probably make each other feel better and it'll probably keep our friendship. But now his soul is more corrupted by my avoidance of speaking the truth in love. Make no mistake, the pathways and goals of living authentically as I'm describing them here takes an incredible amount of spiritual and relational courage. And it requires courage because it calls us into vulnerability. And if there's something we never want to feel, especially us guys, is vulnerable. But reality is we need to deal with all the brokenness we discover with other trusted people. Because as AA puts it, we are as sick as the secrets we keep. Or as I like to put it, what stays hidden stays hurting. And I'm betting the rent that is not how God intended your life to be. One last point I want to make before I finish. Look, it's extremely difficult to speak or live the truth with others if relationships or environments in them don't feel safe. And this is why I always encourage Christians to become the safest people anyone has ever met. Because when you do, it will deepen relationships and it will create healthier workplaces, healthier families, churches, small groups, whatever and it sets the groundwork for growth and change to happen. Especially if you're a leader of any sort at work or at church or somewhere else, it will really help a great deal if you took some time and asked yourself these questions. Do I create the conditions where the truth can be spoken about me to me? Do I make it easy for others to do that? If not, why not? What am I protecting? Here's reality. If we as friends and leaders, as Christians, do not provide the means to live truthfully with each other in a healthy way, then things are going to come out in really unhealthy ways. They might come out as sarcasm or passive aggressive actions or be create, by creating relational distance with others or maybe just cutting off relationships altogether. You see, without being safe people, there will be no one to trust and without trust, we will lack the conditions in which truth can be shared, wounds can be healed, and sinfulness can find redemption, and our true self in Christ has a chance to arise. How is the Lord calling you to be that kind of person where others can be open and vulnerable and transparent about their pain and struggles, their hopes and dreams, and their fears and sin? What can you say or do this week that would create a safe space for others to be totally real with you. Here's one last quote that really summarizes a lot what we've been discussing today. It's by Larry Crabb, a Christian psychologist, and he says, a central task of Christian community is to create a place that is safe enough 
for the walls to be torn down, safe enough, safe enough for each of us to own and reveal our brokenness. Only then can community be used of God to restore our souls. Without a safe community, we will not own our brokenness. The determination to trust no one and a deep belief that no one really has your best interest at heart is undermined and destroyed only in an environment of trust, safety, and feeling loved. How many of you know exactly what he's talking about? How many of you want to experience what he's talking about? If you don't belong to such a community yet, then be the one who creates it. So now, what is God saying to you? Are there shadows you're denying or rationalizing or excusing? Do you keep hurting because you keep hiding? Is it time to, to move intentionally into relationships with other Christians, be it a small group or a pastor or a therapist, and give them holy permission to live and speak the truth in love to you? If you're not sure where to start such a journey, then check out our uh, Connect From Home page on our website for all the different ministries going on at First Press. Check out a small group or check out perhaps a support group. Or maybe, maybe you can start today by joining us after service in one of the digital Connect groups. Now, if you're one of those folks who feel that right now in your life, yourself is a hot mess, then I want to invite you to pray with me and give that confused, hurting, coping self over to Jesus. I invite you to know Christ and to know yourself in light of Christ because whatever else is happening in your life right now, the deepest truth about you is not that you're a sinner or a hot mess. The deepest truth about every person, about you, about even the worst of us, is that you are sacred. You are loved with an unbreakable love and created for a divine purpose. Your worth and value don't get created when you finally get your act together or even when you become a Christian. Your worth and value come the moment you were created by God in the womb. And I want you to know God does not live in a perpetual state of disappointment in you. No matter how much we don't live into the true self which he's creating, he is fiercely devoted to you, warts and all. And this is why I say that my best self, my true self arises through knowing Christ and knowing myself in light of Christ who created and loves me. And that is in light of his perspective, his value, his purposes, and his heart for me. As I close in prayer, I want to pray for all of us who need the courage and the freedom to face and live deeply in the truth of our lives and in God's truth about us. Maybe some of you are here and you're ready to give your life fully and completely, hot mess and all, to Jesus for the first time. Well, he's waiting with open arms to receive you. And I want to give you an opportunity to do that as I pray. So for now, let's just close our eyes. Let's just close our eyes and take a deep breath. And let me pray. Lord, first of all, we confess our need to live and speak the truth to you, to ourselves, and to others in order to become as you intended. For those of us who may feel paralyzed by the thought of such vulnerability, I pray for courage right now for them to step out in faith and risk sharing who they are with trusted other people. Make us greater men and women who speak and, and live the truth with each other and make us your instruments of healing and wisdom and peace for our world. 
May those of you who want to give your life fully to Jesus right now, just follow me in this simple prayer. Lord Jesus, I need you. I confess the futility of living life without you. Forgive me, Lord, for all my sins. And as best as I know how, I commit my life to you. Come and fill me with your spirit today. And we pray all these things in the merciful and loving and gracious name of Jesus. Amen. Amen. I hope we are all able to bring down the walls that help us hide and find mercy on the other side of our honesty. Now, before I give the blessing today, let me just say again to all of you, thanks for coming to our worship service. Thanks for joining us today. And if you've given your life to Christ uh, during this service, I want to invite you to hit that yes button on your screen in the chat area. And remember, if you want to extend the discussion about all the things we've sung about and prayed about and learned about today, then join a digital discussion group right after service. Just hit that link in the chat area and it's going to take you right into that forum. Maybe, just maybe, this could be the first week of that journey where you get to live more fully, more deeply in a loving community where we can just be real. So now receive this blessing. May the God of all truth give you clarity to know him and to know yourself in light of him. And may he give you a spirit of courage to know and speak honestly the deep truth of your life so you can be set free and help others be set free to live fully and vibrantly in Jesus Christ. To God be all the glory. Amen. Thank you all for being here today. May the Lord be with you and grant you his peace. Take care and God bless. Aloha. Our lives will fully blossom when we find others we can be absolutely open and truthful with. Only then can our hurts start to heal and then we become our true selves in Jesus. If you'd like to hear this sermon again, you can listen to and download this and other sermons from the First Prez website, fpchawaii.org. Subscribe to the podcast on iTunes or wherever you listen to podcasts. Normally, we meet Sundays at our Ko'olau campus or at The Vine in Kaka'ako, but for now, you can find the entire church service streamed online on the church website, fpchawaii.org. For our virtual church service, click the online church box at our regular church service times, Sunday morning at 8, 9.30, and 11.11, and Sunday afternoon at 4 p.m. at thevinehonolulu.org. Be sure to check your emails for links to sermons, church news and updates, and daily devotionals. If you have any questions or needs, you can always reach the church through the website or just call 808-532-1111. For Pastor Dan Chun and the entire staff at First Prez, I'm Michael Shishido. Until next time, God bless you, stay safe, and thank you for listening. This sermon podcast is copyright 2020 and produced by the Media Ministry of First Presbyterian Church of Honolulu.